are just going to sit back and give away the power that they've had for 400 years, you are sadly mistaken. The only time we even felt some power in the last two years is when we took to the streets, when white and black and Asian and native and all of us took to the street and said, no more. Now, you can wake up and still lay in the bed. And right now, folks are resting. The reckoning will come. It will come. And it's going to be the fire next time. They better quit playing. No justice, no streets. Mm, 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 mm. Well, on that note, um, I want to thank uh, each and every one of you uh, for your work, uh, Marsha Howard, uh, Jaleesa uh, Trapp, Tristan Taylor, um, for your insight and for your continued work. It's always so uplifting, uh, particularly on, but not only, but I, I do want to uplift uh, the youth, the youth leaders that, that are out there now uh, doing this work and carrying on the work that our ancestors uh, began so very long ago. And I'm sure that they are walking with each and every one of you now. But we are out of time. So thank you for joining us. We are going to have to leave it there. And I'd like to uh, thank our assistant producer, Alicia Vargas. Our board operator today is Gary Baca. Today's show produced by me, that's Margaret Prescott. Stay tuned for Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. Sojourner Truth will be back on the air tomorrow for our weekly roundtable. A lot going on. You won't want to miss that. Thank you for listening, and you all please stay well and safe. This is your host, Margaret Prescott. Listening to KBOO Portland. KBOO Community Radio is looking for a full charge bookkeeper. Do you have accounting and administrative experience? Do you enjoy working in a highly collaborative team environment? Are you looking for a workplace with a mission? Or do you know someone who is? Go to kboo.fm to learn more about the essential functions of the full charge bookkeeper and the qualifications we are looking for. To apply, please email your resume and cover letter to hiring at kboo.org by Sunday, June 12 at midnight. You can also apply by mailing your resume and cover letter to KBU Radio, 20 Southeast 8th Avenue, Portland, Oregon, 97214. KBU's financial health is our focus. Help us foster it.
Hello, ahlan wa sahlan and welcome to another episode of Arab Voices coming to you from the studios of KPFT Houston since 2002. This is Saeed, executive producer and host of Arab Voices. This show is syndicated and it airs on other radio stations in different cities in the US and the UK. In the last episode of Arab Voices, I talked about the assassination of Shireen Abu Aqleh, a prominent, world-renowned Palestinian-American journalist. Shireen was shot in the head and killed by the Israeli occupation forces in the occupied Jenin refugee camp in occupied Palestine on May 11, 2022. During this episode of Arab Voices, I will continue to talk about this heinous crime. I will share with you remarks and comments from Al Jazeera, where Shireen worked for over 20 years, by airing a program called Start Here. It's titled Shireen Abu Aqleh, What Happened? In that segment, Al Jazeera Start Here explains one week after the Palestinian-American journalist Shireen Abu Aqleh was shot dead, what do we know about what happened and why did her work at Al Jazeera mean so much to so many? We will also listen to remarks by Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on the assassination of Shireen Abu Aqleh. I will also air some of the remarks delivered at the vigil held in Houston, Texas to mourn and celebrate Shireen Abu Aqleh. We will hear remarks from the Reverend Rani Lister, Imam and activist Mus'ab Nasser, and Professor Abdurrazzaq Tekriti. The reaction to Shireen Abu Aqleh May 11, 2022 assassination by apartheid Israel continues to make headlines across the world and from all walks of life. Many are calling for an independent investigation into Shireen's assassination by Israel and many are questioning, some are for the first time, finally, the unconditional support Israel has been getting from certain countries and politicians and getting away with murder and crimes for years with full impunity. Shortly, we will listen to some of those reactions and calls, but let's start by listening to a program from Al Jazeera titled Shireen Abu Aqleh, What Happened? The program is called Start Here. In this 10 minutes segment, Sandra Gottman with Al Jazeera Start Here explains one week after the Palestinian-American journalist Shireen Abu Aqleh was shot dead, what do we know about what happened? and why did her work at Al Jazeera mean so much to so many? Let's talk about Shireen Abu Aqleh. She was our colleague here at Al Jazeera, a Palestinian-American journalist who was shot dead by Israeli forces while doing her job, according to journalists who were there. Huge crowds turned out for Shireen's funeral. An event that ended up highlighting what Shireen had been reporting on her whole career, the way Palestinians are routinely treated under Israel's occupation. Shireen's grave has now been sealed, but even after her death, she continued to tell the Palestinian story. So who was Shireen Abu Aqleh? What do we know about how she was killed? And why is there so much anger about what's happened since she died? Shireen Abu Akleh was well known 
and well-loved. She'd been a TV correspondent for Al Jazeera and Palestine since 1997. That's more than 20 years of Shadeen's stories being broadcast into the living rooms of millions of people across the Arab world. She was born and raised in Jerusalem under occupation. She was telling the story that she was living every day. She was not just telling the story of the people. She was telling the story, the story of her life as well. And this is what made her magically an icon. She was there in every town, every Palestinian town, village, alleyway, refugee camp. She wanted to do the stories that nobody else wanted to do. And she uh, gave a voice to a lot of people who we otherwise wouldn't have heard from. We, we, we never assigned Shireen to do a story. I mean, she's just there. She, she shows up. And that's what she did on the last day of her life. At 6.13 a.m., Shireen emailed the Al Jazeera office in Ramallah, saying she was headed to the Janine refugee camp in the occupied West Bank to report on a raid by Israeli forces. There was a, a response from the newsroom saying that, Shireen, we are waiting for you to be live on the top of the hour. And suddenly, Right after that, 20 minutes after, after this email, um, we heard the news. Actually, we, we heard the news circulating on social media that Shireen was killed uh, on the ground. Shireen, Shireen, Shireen! It's up! It's up! Shireen had been shot in the head while wearing a helmet and bulletproof vest clearly marked with the word press. There's video of the moments after as people tried to reach her and the shooting continued. The journalists who were with Shireen said the shots were fired by Israeli soldiers. One of them was Ali Al Samudi, also from Al Jazeera. He was shot in the back. Al Jazeera Media Network put out a statement saying that Shireen Abu Akla was deliberately targeted by Israeli forces. We considered this something intentional because the bullet hit exactly um, the area under her ears where there is no cover. It was a targeted attack, it was a targeted assassination, we consider it that. The Israeli government immediately sowed doubt over who fired the bullet. Prime Minister Naftali Bennett came out with a statement saying, it appears likely that armed Palestinians who were firing indiscriminately at the time were responsible, and offered up a video of Palestinian gunmen in the area. But an Al Jazeera investigation examined the location of that video and concluded the gunshots fired in it were not connected to Shireen's death. The Israeli rights group Betzalem also examined the video and came to the same conclusion. The investigative organization Bellingcat later published a more detailed analysis using other publicly available data. They worked out that Shireen was here, the Israeli army was here, and that Palestinian gunmen were also in the area, here. So that's a further distance. It's a much more obstructed line of sight 
to the spot where where this tragic uh, killing took place. Bellingcat's conclusion is that the available video evidence does not provide good grounds to doubt the accounts of the journalists on the scene. Indeed, it appears to support them. Although part of the frustration for Palestinians is the idea that the eyewitness accounts given by Palestinian journalists aren't enough, but there are double standards at play. The objectivity of Palestinian journalists is always questioned. We never question the objectivity of an American journalist or a Canadian journalist, or let's say right now, if there were a Ukrainian journalist who, were kill who was killed in the exact same way by a Russian, we wouldn't be rushing to use the passive voice or calling it clashes or somehow not laying blame at the foot of the Russian government. The Israeli government has now acknowledged that Shadin could have been killed by its own forces, and it's saying it's investigating. It's also suggested a joint investigation with the Palestinians, but they refused and said any Israeli involvement is just not credible. They are the criminals, and the criminals cannot investigate themselves. Experience very clearly demonstrates that in the cases of such killings of Palestinians, the announcement of Israel's desire or intention to investigate does not lead to accountability. The investigation is an old trick. It's a strategy to uh, muddy the waters, to uh, obfuscate uh, by time. The Palestinians have launched their own investigation and say they plan to take their evidence to the International Criminal Court. The UN Security Council has also called for an immediate, thorough, transparent, and impartial investigation. It was a rare case of unanimity. Notably, the council statement does not call for an international investigation. It's really quite vague uh, and leaves it up to the parties to decide in this case. It's making clear that the Security Council wants to get to the bottom of this, but there's disagreement among council members about how to do that. So it's really left to the parties to work it out. For Palestinians, not only did they lose a beloved journalist and member of their community, but on top of everything, they weren't allowed to mourn her in the way they wanted. The same day Shadeen was killed, Israeli police entered her family home, took down a Palestinian flag, and told mourners to turn off patriotic music. They took down another flag outside a church where Shadeen's family was receiving condolences. Shadeen was a Palestinian Christian. So this is what uh, Palestinians here will tell you, not even flag, I'm sorry. They don't even the allow you to have, I'm, the I'm moving. I'm moving, I'm moving slowly, okay? And then there was what happened at the funeral. Israeli police said there was a plan made with Shireen's family to drive the coffin from the hospital to the church. Shireen's brother said there was no agreement. After people started to carry the coffin towards the hospital gates, this happened. Israeli police beat them back and threw stun grenades into the crowd. This is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Oh my God. Such disrespect for the dead and for those who are mourning the dead. Once the coffin was in the hearse, police continued trying to remove Palestinian flags. And at one point, 
They smashed the back window of the hearse to get to one. This level of violence is part and parcel of the occupation, the very nature of the occupation. It takes a lot of um, abuse and violence to keep the population of Palestine without rights and subjugated. Now on the issue of Palestinian flags, an Israeli court recently ruled that it's not a crime to display one. But there's also a law that allows Israeli police to remove them if they judge that their display could disturb the peace. And police frequently make that judgment. They want to show us that they are in control, that people cannot express their feelings, they cannot express their anger, they cannot carry a Palestinian flag, and they cannot uh, uh, be sad in the way that they want to be sad. So this is, the, this is the regime. Thousands of people crowded into Jerusalem's old city as Shireen's coffin made its way to the cemetery. It turned out to be one of the biggest gathering of Palestinian mourners in years. While all of this is hurtful and shocking for so many Palestinians, it's also unsurprising. Palestinians see everything that's just happened as the latest injustice in a long pattern of violence under Israel's occupation of Palestinian land, an occupation that's illegal under international law and enforces a system of apartheid, according to Human Rights Watch and Amnesty International, where Palestinians are treated like second-class citizens and where journalists are killed for trying to share the Palestinian struggle with the world. That was a program on the killing of Shireen Abu Aqli from Al Jazeera, Start Here, with Sandra Gothman. I have a link to that program on our website, arabvoices.net. Congresswoman Rashida Talib held a moment of silence for Shireen Abu Aqli on the House floor on May 11, 2022. Madam Speaker, earlier we heard our president at the White House correspondence say something very powerful that I want to share in this chamber. President Biden said, we honor journalists killed, missing, imprisoned, detained, and tortured, covering war, exposing corruption, and holding leaders accountable. He further said that the free press is not the enemy of people. Far from it. At, at your best, he told the journalist, you are the guardians of the truth. So today, I would like, as folks woke up this morning all across the world, People woke up to the killing of Shireen Abu Akla. And I would like to do a moment of silence as we heard the shocking news of this journalist of over 20 years, a Palestinian American, killed. So please, a moment of silence. Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez talked about the assassination of Shireen Abu Akli by the Israeli occupation forces in a message she delivered on her Instagram account. I also um, think it's, it's really important for us to have eyes on what happened with uh, Shireen Abu Akleh in, in Palestine. You know, she was killed by Israeli forces, um, a venerated journalist, a U.S. citizen. Um, and, you know, we, we can't allow we just we can't allow the this this stuff to be happening on our with our resources you know like a lot of times people say oh you know 
a lot of times people say like, oh, like you're treating this differently and you're, you're, you're picking, you know, you're picking them out and treating them differently. We, we are, our tax dollars are a part of this. Our resources are a part of this. We can't even get healthcare in the United States and we're funding this. There has to be some sort of line that we draw. It has to stop at some point. Um, and it's just, it, you know, if you're like me and you come up uh, in a family or a background uh, where these issues weren't really predominant, um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be that complicated. And a lot of times people try to make it seem like you don't understand what's going on, or they try to make it seem as though, you know, believing that Palestinians are human beings that deserve human rights is like somehow inherently anti-Semitic. It's not. And it's insulting, um, I believe, to the actual profound amount of anti-Semitism that our Jewish brothers and sisters are, are confronting right now, because it's not a joke. We're seeing hate crimes against Jewish people in our in New York City. We're seeing, you know, explode in the last couple of years. And we can't be we can't be confusing terms like this. We need to be really careful. Um, and it's just, you know, it, it just can't be the case that anything can happen you know that u.s resources help help i mean like we saw an entire media building get bombed last year that can't be happening in like with our consent with us looking away anymore and that doesn't mean that you don't believe in it you know in in israeli people being safe but I mean, we can't believe in Palestinians being safe too. This is out of control. Um, and, you know, I, I just wanna thank so many folks because this is such a difficult issue. Um, and it's a difficult issue in so many different ways. It's, it's traumatic to some folks. There's so much that, so many people that come uh, to this with trauma. Um, and then of course, it's, there's just a lot that's just kind of swept under the rug. It's like always been this political kind of no-go zone um, for all parties for so long. You're not allowed to talk about it uh, to the point that then people don't know about it. And um, it's just, we there has to be a line here. Um, and I think uh, it's just really important because when people say, you know, why is this any of your business? It's our business because our resources are going to it. Just like last year when it was going on with Colombia, it was US resources that were helping fund some of that paramilitary that was cracking down on labor, uh, on, on the labor uprising. And what did I do? I introduced legislation to cut that out so that US resources were, weren't going towards suppressing labor movements and violence against people in Colombia. You know, we're, this, is, this is a principle. This is not something that we should be able to do, even when it's politically difficult. We, I mean, this, 
it really should be so basic. And it's really kind of boggled my mind. It's really frankly shocked me how much um, some people's rights, basic human rights are like, like they're just like politically too controversial to believe in. I don't believe in kids in cages here and I don't believe them there. I don't believe them anywhere. I don't believe in US funding, supporting state violence here, in Colombia, or anywhere else. That's not where our, that's not where our resources should be going to, um, especially when we don't even have the basic things that we need here, especially when people can't afford a house, people can't afford healthcare, um, we need to set the crooked pasture. That was Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Speaking of members of Congress, 57 congressmen and women sent a letter on May 19, 2022 to Anthony Blinken, U.S. Secretary of State, and Christopher Wray, Director of the Federal Bureau of Investigations, the FBI. The 57 representatives who signed that letter that's one-fourth of House Democrats, by the way, they asked for an official investigation by the U.S. Department of State and the FBI into the killing of Palestinian-American journalist Shirin Abu Akli. The letter says, Dear Mr. Secretary and Director Ray, We are writing you regarding the recent death of Shirin Abu Akli, a 51-year-old Palestinian-American. Ms. Abu Akli, a journalist for Al Jazeera, was fatally shot in the West Bank city of Jenin on May 11, 2022. We request the State Department and the Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI, launch an investigation into the death of Ms. Abu Akli. AP News reported that Ms. Abu Akli was fatally shot in the head on the outskirts of the Jenin refugee camp in the northern West Bank. Her producer, Palestinian journalist Ali Samoudi, was hospitalized in stable condition after being shot in the back. It was also reported that Palestinian journalists who were with Ms. Abu Akli and Mr. Samoudi at the time said that they made their presence known to Israeli soldiers and they did not see militants in the area. The Israeli military claimed that the victims were caught between gunfire between Palestinian militants and Israeli defense forces. However, media and eyewitnesses had conflicting reports. Shaza Hanaishi, another Palestinian journalist among the reporters, also said that there were no clashes or shootings in the immediate area. News reports from the Washington Post, New York Times, CNN, and Al Jazeera also highlight these conflicting reports. As members of Congress, we are deeply concerned by the death of Ms. Abu Akli, Journalists worldwide must be protected at all costs. The U.S. State Department called Ms. Abu Akhle's death an affront to media freedom. We welcome the actions and statements taken so far by the U.S. Department of State supporting a thorough investigation. However, given the tenuous situation in the region and the conflicting reports surrounding the death of Ms. Abu Akhle, we request the State Department and the Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI, launch an investigation into Ms. Abu Akhle's death. We also request the U.S. Department of State determine whether any U.S. laws protecting Ms. Abu Akhle, an American citizen, 
were violated. As an American, Ms. Abu Aqli was entitled to the full protections afforded to U.S. citizens living abroad. We, the undersigned members of Congress, urge you to uphold the values that our nation was founded on, including human rights, equality for all, and freedom of speech. We have a duty to protect Americans reporting abroad. We look forward to your timely response. Sincerely, and again, this letter was signed by 57 members of Congress. I have a link to that letter on our website, arabvoices.net, with a list of the 57 members of Congress who signed that letter. In Europe, there were numerous calls from various countries, including Ireland and Britain, by members of parliaments to investigate the murder of Shireen Abu Aqli. Several events and vigils were held in many cities across the world to honor Shireen Abu Aqli, including in the United States. In Houston, Texas, a vigil to mourn and celebrate Shireen was held outside Houston City Hall on May 17, 2022. There were several speakers at that event, and I'm going to share with you now some of the remarks delivered at that event. Many thanks to Hanan Awad, a guest host on Arab Voices, for providing me with the recording. Let's start with the remarks of the Reverend Ronnie Lester. We have gathered here tonight to celebrate the noble and the honorable and the significant and meaningful life of Sister Shireen. I will not be long. I simply want to remind us that death is not the final answer for those who have been committed to the truth. It is so very important for us to remember that Shireen, our dear sister, was a truth teller par excellence. And the Israeli, the Israeli government has been successful in the physical liquidation of her physical being. They shall never be able to kill her soul and her spirit. One of the weaknesses that we must understand about the evil enterprise is that there is always a weakness in evil. And what is that? Weakness in evil is that it always goes too far. There is no discipline in evil. It does not know when to stop. And it is upon that vulnerable weakness that God works. As long as life shall live, we shall hear the voice of Sister Shireen. In fact, she is with us tonight. And the place where she is now, she has gained angelic and ancestral authority. And she is greater and more effective in our lives on the other side of the physical than she was here. And so let us believe that ultimately Palestine will be free. Let us believe that these vigils that we have after the 
the demise and the death of our loved ones are important because they give us courage, they give us community, they give us hope, they give us a sense of determination to keep on keeping on in the midst of death, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, in the midst of colonialism, in the midst of annihilation, these gatherings are meaningful and hopeful. Let us keep the fight on. Let us keep the fight on because Shireen is with us and she is expecting us to take the baton to the next level of victory. In the words of James Russell Lord, truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne, yet that scaffold sways a future. Behind the dim unknown standeth God within the shadows, keeping watch above his own. And in the words of William Cullen Bryant, no lie can live forever. In the words of Socrates, truth crushed to earth will rise again. Live on, Sister Cherie. Live on. Live on. Live on. That was the Reverend Ronnie Lister speaking at the vigil held in Houston, Texas on May 17th to mourn and celebrate Shireen Abu Aqli, who was assassinated by the Israeli occupation forces in occupied Palestine. You're listening to Arab Voices, coming to you from the studios of KPFT Houston since 2002. This is Saeed, executive producer and host of Arab Voices. Next, we will listen to the remarks of Imam and activist Mus'ab Nasser, delivered at the vigil held in Houston on May 17th to mourn and celebrate Shireen Abu Aqli, who was assassinated by the Israeli occupation forces. It is an, an honor to be here, invited to speak in this wonderful gathering to uh, remember Shireen Abu Aqli. May she rest in peace. Last week's events have served as a wake-up call to many of us, Palestinians and people around the world especially the vicious killing of Shirin Abakli, someone that we grew up with when we were kids. I'm a Palestinian from Gaza. I grew up uh, almost all my life in Gaza. And I saw Shirin since I was a kid, uh, literally, uh, uh, on Al Jazeera television, reporting our suffering on a daily basis in, in entire Palestine, not just in, in Gaza. And so there are three things that I've learned from the past experiences or the past uh, week's experiences, especially um, the, the death of Shireen. Number one, and I'll share with you three, there are many things that you learn, I have personally learned from this experience, but there are three things I'd like to share with you and I'd like you to take it home with you thinking about it. Number one, this vicious killing and the behavior of the brutal Israeli occupation in the past few days has united us as Palestinians united us as Muslims, Christians, uh, even if there are Jews among us, and no one would have actually 
uh, endorsed and accepted what we saw in the last uh, few days. Um, it's amazing. You know, when, when you hear about a Christian girl killed by a Jewish terrorist and carried on the shoulders of Muslim men, then you know you are in Palestine. When you hear... When you are attending a funeral of a Christian girl in a church, and the majority of those in church are actually Muslims chanting in the background while the priest is conducting the sermon, saying, La ilaha illallah wa shaheed habibullah, you know you are in Palestine. For the first time in the modern history, that the churches of Jerusalem, Al-Quds, rang their bells, irrespective of their denomination, simultaneously at the same time during Sharif's funeral. It's a sign of unity and a sign of solidarity. This is a proof that religions can actually be a source of unity and compassion only if we choose to make them so. That's number one, the unity of the Palestinians and those with conscience around the world. Number two, last week's events showed the ugly face of the Israeli occupation that I have witnessed personally firsthand since I was a kid. But it wasn't an opportunity for all these years for people outside Palestine to see it, thanks to social media. Thanks to social media, they're exposing the Israeli crimes on a daily basis in every corner of Palestine. And it's amazing how the mainstream media, especially in the West, failed to um, hide the Israeli crimes and justify their lives. It's no longer their game. The Israelis, the Israeli occupation is fully exposed to the world. They see their crimes on a daily basis. Now, what you've noticed, this ugly occupation, and I'd like to remind everyone that we all use, when we write in social media, we mention IDF, Israeli Defense Forces. But I'd like you to know what it means in Hebrew. For those who know Hebrew, Israeli, or IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, stands for, in Hebrew, Tzava Haganah Israel. Notice the middle word, Tzava Haganah Israel. The middle word is Haganah. Haganah is one of two major terrorist Jewish organizations, Zionist organizations, that have killed so many Palestinians before 1948. So the Israeli army was actually built on the foundations of a terrorist organization. So their behavior, the one we saw last week, no surprise, that's exactly how terrorists behave. They are terrorists in uniform, it doesn't matter, they're still terrorists. And you can see that neither the living nor the dead is immune or safe or protected from their oppression and from their aggression. The casket, the coffin of Sharina Abu almost fell down on the ground. Her body could have been spilled out of the coffin in front of millions around the world to show how ugly this occupation is. How vicious this occupation is. And you might think it's only humans are safe in Palestine. No. Animals, trees, buildings, no one is safe from this brutal Israeli occupation. And you know what? Not just only Palestinians who are being killed by this occupation. People of different nationalities, Europeans and Americans. Shirina Batley is a, is a Palestinian-American. She is one of the last ones that have been killed by the Israeli occupation. One of the names that is still carved in my own mind and in the minds of so many Palestinians in Palestine and around the world is the name of Rachel Khoury, who was bulldozed by the Israeli occupation in Gaza. May she rest in peace as well. 
defending the Palestinian homes. They bulldoze her with an American bulldozer, Caterpillar, an American company. No one spoke about it. She was forgotten, but not in Palestine and not in the minds of the Palestinians in the Palestinian history. May Rachel Khoury also rest in peace. The last one that I'd like to share with you. So first, number one is the unity. The second one is showing the ugly face of the occupation. We all witnessed it. And it's no longer can be hidden by and, 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 and covered by the, by the mainstream media. The last one, which in my view is most painful, is the hypocrisy of the Western world. You know, those who chant about human rights and freedom and, you know, the rights of women. We've seen how Palestinian women are beaten in Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa by these vicious Israeli terrorists in uniform and no one is saying anything. Where is the rights of women? Or it's only, you know, some women have rights, others don't. It's sad. So this hypocrisy, it's amazing to see how the West has all risen in the last you know few months because of the war in Ukraine that's few months old and everyone suddenly their conscious woke up out of the blue and sending weapon and support and hugs to the Ukrainians and yet we've been suffering for the past 75 years maybe we don't deserve this sympathy that's called hypocrisy that really what hurts us the most as Palestinians it's sad to see that the oppressed of yesterday have become the oppressors of today those who suffered in the Holocaust, those in the West who kept saying, no more, never again. They are actually supporting those who are repeating the same atrocities and crimes in Palestine and sending their weapon and support to this Israeli occupation on a daily basis, when many of our citizens cannot even afford a health care. Double standards like no other. But let me finish with a good note. While the killing of Shireen was so bloody, so mean, so vicious, so heartful or heartless. Um, she was fortunate in a way. She was fortunate for many, many reasons. One, her death, despite how sad it was, she died a quick death, a peaceful death. You know, when you're hit with a bullet, you die right away, quickly. It was sad to see her body, body lying down on the ground, motionless, someone that we have seen for many, many years with her gentle and soft voice reporting the suffering of the Palestinian people in the refugee camp, especially in Jenin and the West Bank, lying on the ground motionless. But the good thing that she died a peaceful death, a quick death, unlike many people in Palestine who died a brutal death. Let me give you a few examples. There is an infant, an infant by the name Ali Dawabshi. You've all heard this name. Ali Dawabshi was one and a half years old lived in a small village called Doma in the city of Nablus in the West Bank. The terrorist settlers, the terrorist Zionist settlers attacked the family's home in the middle of the night while they are asleep and they threw in the, into the house molotovs and burned the house while they are asleep. Poor little Ali could not survive this and he died with his wounds. Another example in Beit Hanun where actually I'm from, the north of Gaza Strip. A family of Al-Athamni woke up in the early morning hours of the day on the tank shells entering their homes while they are in deep sleep. More than 20 people of the same family died that morning. It was a bloodbath. This is Israel. This is the only democracy in the Middle East. That's the democracy that deprives people their rights of, of practicing their, their religion in Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. 
You know, one of the key pillars of democracy is freedom of religion that many people in Palestine are deprived. This is a false democracy. This is a democracy that's built on the blood of the innocent people in Palestine. And those who support it are actually partners in this occupation. And not to forget, and not to forget the suffocation of more than two million Palestinians in the Gaza Strip, where I am from. Where a journey to Gaza from the US, I call it the journey to hell. Because as a Palestinian, if I, if I go into Israeli airport to go to Gaza, they will put me on the next plane to Europe. First, they put me in jail for the night, and they will throw me on the next plane to Europe the second morning. I'm not allowed in. I have to fly through Cairo, through the desert of Sinai to get to Gaza. It's the journey from hell. And more than two million Palestinians are suffering in Gaza Strip today, suffocating their food, their drink, their livelihood, their life, even the air they breathe is controlled by Israel. That's a brutal occupation that everyone in the West unfortunately refuses to admit and accept and correct. At the end, may Shireen Abu Akhle rest in peace. May her vicious killer be brought to justice and pay for his crime in this life and in the hereafter. May Israel, a vicious terrorist state, pay for all the crimes that it has committed over the past 70 years. And may Palestine be free. Thank you very much. That was Musab Nasser, an imam and activist, speaking at the vigil held in Houston, Texas, on May 17, 2022, to mourn and celebrate Shireen Abu Aqli, a Palestinian-American journalist who was assassinated by the Israeli occupation forces. Next, we will listen to the remarks of Sue Ferguson, professor of journalism from Canada, who spoke at the same vigil. You, you know that the news media is not a friend of Palestine. I don't need to tell anybody that. Um, and uh, part of the reason, or a big part of that reason, is that the news media puts the story first, they say, in order usually to lull people to sleep or to entertain them or to shock them. And what it is very obvious to me is that Shireen was a journalist who put the people first, not the story. And that does not mean she didn't tell fabulous stories. She absolutely did. And, but they were stories that were sh shrouded in a commitment to truth and to speaking truth to power. And that is so powerful and, and uh, valuable for any uh, any human decency, let alone democracy. Um, and, you know, through her stories, they were ways of putting human faces and showing the human stakes of forces that are in our society that really feel very alien to us, I think, and that are hard to imagine, um, you know, when you say the words imperialism or even when you say the word democracy, what that looks like on the ground is really, really hard to see unless you have people like Shireen who are telling those stories and uh, that show what the stakes are. And clearly that work is a threat. It's a threat to regimes and it's why in authoritarian countries, they often shut down news media or they have a state media and it's a uh, and israel is not a democracy as we know it is an authoritarian regime and there they kill journalists and 
say that is a huge shame. Uh, I just want to thank Shireen for what she's given Palestine and for what she's given journalism too. And I will leave it at that. That was Sue Ferguson, professor of journalism from Canada, speaking at the vigil held in Houston, Texas on May 17th to mourn and celebrate Shireen Abu Akli, who was assassinated by the Israeli occupation forces. Next, we will listen to the remarks of Dr. Abdel Razak Takriti, Associate Professor and Arab American Educational Foundation Chair in Modern Arab History and founding director of the Arab American Educational Foundation Center for Arab Studies at the University of Houston. It's a very painful moment for all of us. Palestine historically has not seen so much grief in at least a couple of decades. We've had very few funerals that have galvanized so many people as Shireen's funeral. It started in Jenea. The place that Shireen had covered for a very long time. The place that she had a very special connection to. For those that don't know about Shireen's work, Shireen became exceptionally famous for covering the massacre that took place in Jenea exactly 20 years ago. It was the invasion of the camp during the height of the Second Intifada. Shireen was stationed there. She knew the people. She knew the martyrs' families. She knew the families of the injured. She spent time in every home in that camp. She was welcomed in every home in that camp because she belonged to the people and she gave the people a space in the media, a space through which they could communicate their voice. Shireen was not somebody who exaggerated. For those that remember the Second Intifada, there were people that had a tendency to call, for example, a massacre a genocide. Or to say that, you know, instead of 100 people dying, they'll say there were 10,000 people. There were those voices. Shireen gave the accurate story. She conveyed the horror as it was. And it was horrible enough. She showed that colonialism is a systemic affair, not just a random series of events. She was on the ground for 25 years, covering story after story after story. If anybody wants to know the history of Palestine in the past 25 years, all what they need to do is go and check the archive of Shireen Abu because she was there every day. No story was too big. There were some big stories that would have been very scary for other journalists, like the invasion of Jenin refugee camp. No story was too small, like the story that she was covering on the day of her martyrdom, on the day of her assassination. That was the house being besieged. There was no fighting in the area she was in. There was hardly any fighting elsewhere. But what there was was an Israeli sniper unit that was going there trying to hunt down all the journalists that were there on the scene. We saw 
the video here over and over again. And we also saw the coverage of the news in this country and elsewhere. Initially, they all bought the Israeli version. Initially, the American embassy in there was reproducing the Israeli version as well, despite the fact that Shireen was a Palestinian in America. Clearly, some lives are worth attention in this country and others are not. But as the truth became clearer, the Palestinian story was vindicated. We knew who killed Shireen from the very beginning. We knew who targeted her. And we knew how it was going to be covered up. Because we've been subjected to this colonialism for many, many decades. More than 55 Palestinian journalists have died over the past two decades. More than 170 have been injured. Countless journalist offices were raided, attacked, their work interrupted. Cameramen were killed. These are the secret soldiers that you don't know about and you don't see. An entire tower in Gaza was destroyed. Tower that was filled with journalists and with offices of news channels. So we knew who targets journalists. And we also knew who stood up for these journalists. It was those young heroes in Janine camp that went there and braved the bullets to save Shireen's body from being hijacked by the soldiers that killed her, that murdered her. In order to protect that icon's body from desecration, we had a young man brave his life and go there. We know who protects journalists. Those Palestinians that have been under colonialism in Jain camp that went there and took the body and said, before we give it to the medical authorities, we're gonna pass it by every house in the camp and we're gonna take it to that martyr cemetery. That cemetery that Shireen knew very well because she knew about every family of every martyr and she made many stories about them, covering their lives, covering the futures that they never had. And now she's joining their ranks. The people of the camp made sure that Shireen bid them farewell as she was joining the ranks of the martyrs. They bid her farewell. She said goodbye to them in her own way by covering their story on that dark day. Later on, the procession continued to Nablus, where she was carried by the people, the people that loved her, the people that have been following her all along. And then her body went to Ramallah, where she was given proper official funeral, but she was celebrated by the people. And we all knew what was going to happen in Jerusalem. 
We all knew that there was going to be an attempt to undermine that funeral. Maybe the rest of the world was shocked, but we knew that they were going to try to disrupt it. Shireen's funeral in Jerusalem became a battle over sovereignty. It represented every Palestinian in that city. She was the embodiment of the Palestinian spirit in Jerusalem, and she galvanized the people around. They raised the flags in broad daylight. This hasn't happened in a long time. They braved the batons and the bullets, and they coalesced around that coffin, protecting despite the heavy attacks. That was the day that's going to go down in Palestinian history. And there's very few days that are equivalent to that. Now, that moment, I'm a historian. So I was thinking that that moment reminds me of an event that happened many, many decades ago in 1930. We had the execution of three Palestinian young men. And their funeral and the songs around their execution inspired me. They inspired Qassam to undertake his revolt. And his funeral, a few years later, inspired our greatest social revolt of the early 20th century, the 1936 revolt. These events are centered around certain individuals, but they represent a popular feeling that is much, much bigger. They represent the spirit of freedom, the quest for freedom that lies in each one of us. Shireen embodied that quest. She was an ordinary person in many ways and an extraordinary person in many ways. Those that knew her would have known that she was a lover of animals. I, I, I would call her the patron saint of stray dogs in Palestine, by the way. Nobody paid as much attention to neglected beings as she did. Her friends called her Hussat al-Ghayb, for those that know Arabic, because people would, you know, gossip behind other people's backs. And she'd be like, no, let's look at the positive element in this person. She was a sweetheart. She was widely beloved. Even though she was exceptionally smart, exceptionally dedicated, extremely hardworking. She was also very approachable. Sometimes people suspected that she had no clue about the super, how much of a superstar she was. You know, nowadays uh, people put a couple of uh, uh, TikTok videos, they become uh, famous for five minutes and they stop talking to other people in the street. Shireen had tens and tens of millions of followers and viewers and people that grew up listening to her voice, seeking the truth in her coverage, and it never got to her. She had that humility, but she also had that sense of mission. And Shireen's sense of mission is an inspiration for many of our people. 
It is the reason why she will be dearly missed for many decades to come. But she will also be an inspiration that will help us on the pathway to liberation. Thank you so much. That was Dr. Abdul Razak Takriti, Associate Professor and Arab American Educational Foundation Chair in Modern Arab History and Founding Director of the Arab American Educational Foundation Center for Arab Studies at the University of Houston, speaking at the vigil held in Houston, Texas on May 17, 2022, to mourn and celebrate Shireen Abu Aqli, a Palestinian-American journalist who was assassinated by the Israeli occupation forces in occupied Palestine on May 11, 2022. And that does it for the show today. Thanks for listening. This is Said, executive producer and host of Arab Voices. Until we meet next week, peace on earth.